God bless and welcome to this week's episode of Family Discussion. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Jesus teaches us in the Gospel of John that the world will know that we are his followers by the way that we love one another. And yet it seems like the love of Jesus is less and less evident in the way that we speak to and about one another, especially when we disagree. So, in the hopes of recapturing the brother-sister love that Jesus has won for us, we are calling a family meeting. For the next half hour, let's cut through the noise and look at the issues without slander and malice. It's time for a family discussion. Well, God bless and welcome to another episode of Family Discussion. My name is Marcos Ortega, and as always, I am joined by my amazing co-host, Lisa Spencer. Lisa, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, I had a birthday recently. My wife had a birthday. My daughter had a birthday. I had an anniversary all within like 10 days. So that was oh, a wow. pretty... Yeah, it's a full full time of year for us, but we're good. We're doing well. Yeah. How are you doing? You know, I'm I'm doing okay. All right. Doing okay. Right. You know, it's mid-January. Uh, we are uh, two days away from the inauguration. Yeah. And just looking at just like the groundswell of troops, of National Guard troops on the ground, which is something I never thought I'd see for a... They're probably going to be more troops than there are attendees. I mean, yeah, you know, because of COVID, I'm just, I'm just saying. That might be the case. You know what? We, uh, so the the episode will come out like mid February. It's going to be really strange to listen to this back in a month and be like, yeah. oh, they didn't know yet, because who knows? Who knows? Who knows? What's we don't know. We don't know. And and so we are we are praying. I I serve a church that is. Uh, heavily connected to the National Guard, um, and so we are we are praying for safety and for peace, and uh, praying that this this final stage of the transition from one administration to another would go smoothly with no no nothing, and we can just get back to the business of the country. So we are uh, praying for that. And yeah, and know. as a side note, I'd say that this even more important. Let's get back to the business of being the church. There you go. You know, yep. I mean, yep. listen, kingdoms rise and fall. We're not always going to get the kind of government we want. It's not always going to be favorable to us. But in the order, in the pecking order of priorities, you know, I, we have it has to be kingdom first. It really does. Regardless of whatever, infra, you know, infrastructure of the country that rests on. Well, and it also has to be Christian character above American character. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm looking this year, uh, spending a lot of time with the fruit of the spirit. I'm going to talk about that, I'm sure, throughout this season and into next season, because it's just it, it is something on the forefront of my mind. How are the fruit of the spirit evident in the way I speak, in the way I relate to others uh, in every aspect of my life? I want to be a spiritual man, not a worldly man. And, and that's that's Galatians 5 and everybody should want that and that's that's an important thing to keep in mind uh you know now that we are I guess as people are hearing it a month into a new administration are we people of the spirit or people who are beholden to the works of the flesh and uh it's just a constant constant reminder for us so 
We are uh, we are looking at issues of justice and race. We've been doing this for a full season. We're in this like part two of the season now, where we're approaching these issues from a systemic theolo- systematic theology perspective, not a systemic theology. That, that's a I'm not sure what that is. Um, it's but the a topic system- we're talking. It's about. the topic. It is, <laughs> and and so we've been in uh, theology proper, the doctrine of God, for the last couple of weeks. We looked at God as Trinity. We looked at uh, God as Creator. And now we are, I think, closing out this section. We may do another, but I think we're going to move on to another area of theology after this. But we don't want to do that until we address what does it mean that God is just? If we're going to talk about justice and uh, we're going to get in today, what's a good like label for this? Social justice, biblical justice, some other kind of label. What, what, what should we call this? If we're going to talk about justice... It seems to me that any action, any work of justice that we Christians are about should emulate the justice of God. But now we have to start defining terms. What is the justice of God? What does it mean that he's just? So Lisa, I kick it to you to begin. What does it mean that God is just? What what are we talking about here? Okay. So just as in our, our previous episodes where we are defining the attributes of God, the deeds of God, according to who he is, all of his character. Um, and so it is also with the, ju- with the justice of God, which, um, you know, just in looking through my systematics is interchangeable with righteousness, right? Mm. So God... Um, you know, and I, I like um, the way one, of, I'm sorry, I, I didn't, I don't know who I got this from, but basically it's, you know, there's a common theme, the justice flows from God's righteousness, mm. right? So the fact that, first of all, God sets the standard, right? In his standard, and here's the deal, we are not always going to understand his standard. You know, I don't know of any Christian who, especially with the Old Testament, reads the Old Testament and comes away with, oh, yeah, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with anything God does. We all have. <laughs> it, you know, we look at that and you're like, wow, what? And, and what is the what is the, the, the common phrase? That's not fair. Mm. But you know what? To God, it's fair. Because he is the one that sets the standard based on, just based on his character, right? So he has determined what is good. Mm. Um, he is the essence of goodness. And so in his righteousness, he, um, you know, he sets the standards for justice, but also executes justice according to that standard. So then would it be fair to say... That justice is everything that is in line with God's righteousness, and therefore injustice is everything that's not in line with God's righteousness. Is that a fair way of looking at justice and injustice? I, yes. Yes, I would. And I do think we need to make, again, make a distinction, right? So we can look at this vertically, you know, the the fact that, you know, God sets the standard, Um and, you know, and because of his holiness, and oh, and this is the one, uh, W.T. Shedd, uh, justice, the justice of God is a mode of his holiness. So, there, mm. you know, so it's all intertwined, um, all intertwined together. 
um, because he sets the standard, but then because we are made in the image of God, there is an expectation that we are going to model what that what his ethics look like. So in our um, you know, in our relation to his creation, um, you know, that we, you know, that we model that. But here's the thing, because God is God and we are not. And so he sees everything. He is, you know, he, he sets according to a standard. He sees everything perfectly. We do not. And that's why, you know, the authority of scripture is so important. His word is so important because we can look at it and not cherry picking verses, but look at it at, you know, if we look at the whole counsel of God and see what what is it that God cares about? What is what is it that, you know, what is right versus what is wrong? Um, what are those things that he judges, right? And I think that, you know, even looking at Old Testament Israel and the the judgment that God executed upon them you know, based on his expectation, based on what he gave them, what he what he revealed to them. And he gave them his law, his laws of the mm. perfect embodiment of his expectations. Um, and so, uh, you know, so we can look at that. You know, I think, and here's where I think the Old Testament prophets are really, you know, are really instructive because we can look at those expectations of what is what is it that he's actually judging people for um and so that's you know now when it comes to applying that to modern day standards that's where i think we need to be careful but we can have we can have that discussion in a few minutes yeah i think what what's key here is that first the categories of justice and injustice are vertical i think that i think that this is where the vertical has to come first it's about god's relationship with his creation right the creator creature relationship and the greatest injustice that has ever been done is an injustice that we perpetrated against god if you will through our rebellion we we um we walk away from god in sin an injustice that only grows and compounds until the unjust murder of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. All of this is a sinful, unjust uh, way of living that is born from our sin. That it's Our mm -hmm. sin is what leads to injustice. Mm -hmm. God's justice sees our sin and must correct it. it, it it's a... There is kind of a legal forensic way of looking at this where it's the first and foremost when we talk about the justice of god it's the justice of god against sin and it's the justice of god that is uh right and good because we were made in the image of god right so it's it's we should have followed what god wanted us to do we didn't justice means we ought to be punished for it we have been that injustice is perpetrated against God, but then it also is perpetrated against others. Mm -hmm. And in the end, it's perpetrated against us because injustice, it, it eats away at the person who's being unjust just as much as it eats away at the people we're being unjust towards. Right. So we begin there with our relationship with God, with sin. This is why we need a savior. This is why Jesus has to come and, and be both just and justifier. 
mm-hmm. right? He, he has to be the one who uh, takes the penalty for our sin and pays for our injustice. But I still want to get to some of the more specifics and start teasing out God is just. How does he demonstrate that through his law? Like, what are some examples of God's justice? And how does that play out in the way that he wants us to live with one another? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the most, the more obvious um, is when he, you know, when he had to judge individuals. Um, okay. You know, you look at, and, and here's, you know, here's, a, so here's one that people get tripped up over, you know, the sin of Achan. Right, where he he didn't just deal with I mean he he wiped out like a number of people. The yeah. and even for the Israelites that were um, judged because of their unbelief and their complaining, and they were not allowed to go into the promised land. They had to die off in the wilderness because God said you 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 transgress. You're you're not going in. Even Moses, right? Like Moses. Yeah is his covenant representative, you know, in Mo- and because of the situation with the rock and Moses was not allowed um, to go in. So we can look at those cases and say, okay, God has set the standard. He's laid out his law and there was um, punishment. For, for those transgressions because right God has to judge his sin and listen and when I think about that and especially when I look when we look at the Old Testament and there's some in the New Testament too but that ought to humble that ought to humble us considering mm. the long suffering the mercy yeah. of God where sometimes he holds off and he did with um you know with Israel, and the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. I mean, he held off for a long time. Because folks were, I mean, just knuckleheads, right? right. Um, and he sent this, and he sent his prophets, and he warned them. And they still disobeyed. And he had, he had, he had to judge. I think that one of the things that we can get hung up on is is we see so much that's awful in the world, and we begin to question the justice of God. Um, but God does judge. He, he is the righteous judge. He doesn't judge based on partiality. He doesn't judge uh, in, a, in a kind of a capricious way where he just, whatever he feels like in the moment, that's what he's going to decide to do. He judges in accordance with his character and his righteousness and his holiness. And he has an expectation for his people that we are to also be just because we are to reflect who God is to this world. This is why Jesus will say partway through the Sermon on the Mount to be perfect as their father in heaven is perfect. Um, we, we have to uh, reflect the justice of God in our own lives and the way that we interact with one another. Um, but we, we are also told not to judge in the way that God judges. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wonder... When we think first of God's justice in a judgment way, in, which is true and, and real, what, what is another aspect of his justice? Because it's not just judgment. There is, a, there is something else at play. And, and there's verses that come to mind when, when the Proverbs repeat a couple different times that the Lord abhors unjust scales. 
mm-hmm. right? And and that there's supposed to be an equality in commerce is really what the Proverbs are right. getting at there. Um, when, when you see in Isaiah 1, uh, you know, stop doing wrong, learn to do right, mm-hmm. seek justice, defend the oppressed, care for the widow and the orphan. Um, and we, we see in Micah, famous verse, right? Micah 6, 8, to, to do justice. Uh, these, these commands are because we're to reflect God in some way. What is it that, is it equality? That's what, what is it that God is getting it to here? What, what is the, what is the reflection? Um, you know, I wish I, cause I know that there are a few different words that are used for justice. So, so, you know, you have, um, redemptive justice, you have restorative justice. And I would say that sounds like restorative justice, right? There's an imbalance and let's restore to what, you know, to what it should be. Um, I think that's helpful though, because if you have these different categories of justice, then that can help us in the application of justice today. You have restorative uh, justice, redemptive justice, right? So Jesus dies on the cross um, and bears the just wrath of God against sin, uh, but that's redemptive in nature. There's, re- there's um, how do you say it? retributive justice, mm-hmm. I guess. And so you've described Achan. Uh, there is in the New Testament, like this doesn't go away. Some people try and divorce Old Testament God from right. New Testament God. But um, yeah, tell that to Ananias and Sapphira. Right. They still got, that. Right. <laughs> they got the same layer, <laughs> the same level of retributive justice. That's a part of who God is. Um, and this then gets into some of the debate around retributive justice in the justice system or legal systems and stuff like that. There's all kinds of places where this go. And so with these different understandings of justice, restorative justice, retributive justice, or even redemptive justice, which is, I think, I think we can fairly say that's what Jesus can accomplish that we probably can't. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's limit our conversation. Retributive justice, restorative justice. Okay. Um, what is a, a framework for Christians, and I'm thinking specifically in the West or even more specifically in the United States, this justice conversation and the debate around justice, what is a biblical framework for justice? Uh, and, and what can we start to require in our work for justice? Okay. Oh, you're getting a phone call. I, you know, I am sorry. That's I, okay. I, I that's all right. should have turned that down. That's um, cool. Now we all get to hear your ringtone. We all get to hear what that sounds like. That's great. <laughs> Who's calling Lisa? That becomes the question. Uh, yeah. Actually, it's on our house. Nobody's calling. I can tell you right now, nobody's calling me on the oh, house. Oh, yeah. So if it's a house, that's a telemarketer or something that you're, yeah, you're dodging right there. So anyway, we're going to ignore right. the telemarketer. We're going to ignore the telemarketer. Um. So what, what, I'm sorry, what was the question again? So, so when we think about restorative justice and retributive justice and, and really, you know, what are some, uh, I guess, some principles that we as Christians uh-huh. need to have in place when we start thinking about application? Because that's okay. where a lot of this debate lies. Okay. So when we think about it, we have to think about, you know, and I think that the word restorative is important because it has to be in it has to be in alignment with the biblical concept of goodness. Okay. Right? 
So, and this is where, you know, where we have to be discerning when we talk about justice today, because a lot, because there are um, remedies of justice that we hear today that when they are applied, will tip the, may tip the balance, you know, so you have, an, you know, maybe an unjust weight or something that's perceived to be an unjust weight, but then you you apply a standard of justice that tips it the other way. Well, so if it's not, if you're, if, if it's not bringing goodness to the situation for everybody, then that, I don't think that we can say that that's going to be in alignment with biblical justice. And sometimes, and especially if we look at it through the lens of our culture, it may not seem fair. Right. Um, so, you know, and I'll give I'll give an example. You know, when we talk about income inequality. Mm. Right. And the sense that, well, it's not fair that, you know, the the head of corporations make, you know, hundreds percent more than their workers. Well, how are we defining fairness? Mm. Right. When you look at the responsive the level of responsibility the level of skills um that you know they go into the different positions um it may seem unfair if you know you think that the you know the income should be closer um and i would and i would even go to say okay so let's say we want to raise the uh, the minimum wage to $15 so right now, let's say somebody with a college degree commands a job with, you know, with skills at $15. So now we've raised somebody that has less amount of skills, less amount of experience to the same level. Um, because, you know, in some places, even school teachers, make they may make more than fifteen dollars an hour but in some places that not much more than that so now you're saying that the person who has very you know who has less education minimal skills are now going to make the same as someone who does and so there there's a sense of well this wage seems fair because it's a living wage but then we've tipped the balance the other way. I mean, and there's just a number of different issues that we could bring to bear. And I would say sometimes the way that we're uh, we're we're addressing the race issue um, in a way that I think creates a you know a different kind of partiality. So the whole the whole point of having you know race discussions, especially in the church, is to we, you know, is to is to bring back in balance the way things should be, okay. But if you're te now telling one group, you know, and imposing a a different weight, a different standard on one group, that's you know that's really is that you have to ask the question: Is that really bringing justice to the situation? And so that's where I think we need to be careful when we talk about justice because it is a hot, you know, it's it's just a hot topic. In our culture today, we talk about social justice, which, oh, by the way, when we're looking at it 
at, you know, the, the justice that we are to do, it's inherently going to be social. So, the, you know, so there's a conversation to be had, I guess, you know, do we, do we still call it social justice? Do we call it biblical justice? It's going to be social, right? Um, you know, and everything that we see in scripture in terms of God's, God's commands to us has to have a social implication. Um, so we can't get hung up on this idea when we throw in the word social, because I think some people are afraid of that, especially when it gets conflated with, well, how is our society, right? How is, is the broader culture defining justice, defining social justice? And that's where we need to be a little more discerning and make distinctions between what the Bible commands versus what the broader society is commanding. Well, and I think, I mean, there's a lot in what you just said. And, and so I want to pull out a couple of those things. I, I think first, you know, to, to put a bit of a bow on this restorative and retributive distinction that we see in Scripture, uh, we ought to be incredibly careful before we start trying to meet out our own version of retributive justice. Um, mm. You know, when, when yes. God says, vengeance is mine, Mm -hmm. he's not saying vengeance is mine and I've tapped a handful of my folks to go get it for me. That's not what he's saying. Like there is a retributive justice is in the hands of God. And we ought be very careful before we start to do our own version of retributive justice because we are sinful people. And the line between justice and revenge is so thin that we will regularly fall over the side. And also, even from a state perspective, if retributive justice is there, but then unjustly distributed among those who are in the justice system, now we have even more conversation, right? And that's, so that this can, this can take us into a whole lot of different issues in the political realm. And so we, I just want to caution us, retributive justice is a divine right it is god's to do and we should just be careful that we don't as his creatures try and take that away from him that's his um the the second when it comes to restorative justice i think that's the the lane that most of us are talking about and playing in when we're having the justice conversation mm -hmm. it is to what extent can we have restorative justice how do we not like you're saying uh, wreck in the other ditch where suddenly the suddenly restorative justice can become retributive, right? And and now we're trying to punish folks for what they've done before. Uh, you know, th there's so many different ditches that we can fall in with this. And we want to be careful. We want to be thoughtful. What we don't want to do is get sidetracked into a debate about words, uh, into a quarrel, as Second uh, Timothy would put it. Uh, you know, I... This biblical justice versus social justice versus biblical social justice versus whatever, it, it, it becomes a sideshow to the work that we're actually trying to do, in my opinion. Uh, I, if folks want to use the term social justice, okay, define your terms. If folks want to use the phrase biblical justice, I also want you to define your terms because I tell you what, Samuel carried out biblical justice one day when he grabbed a, a javelin and put it through a dude so like that was biblical justice and if that's what you have in mind we need to have a conversation about whether or not that's right um 
So it's it's all about defining terms. Social justice can mean uh, all kinds of crazy things. Social justice as a term has its roots actually in uh, in Catholic public theology. It was a term that, I mean, some people say you can carry it all the way back to Augustine. Maybe. Um, but really, you see it explicitly used by Luigi Taparelli. He's the guy who's, who's kind of credited with uh, coining that term in the 18th century. Um it's it's Catholic theologians who are talking about this. Non-Christians or non-Catholics who use this terminology are actually borrowing a Christian word to do what they're doing. Um, do folks want to throw the word out? Okay, but just define the terms. What are you actually meaning by the pursuit of justice? And how do you pursue justice in a way that doesn't accidentally get you to a place of injustice down the road? Um, now, I will say this. The claim, if you will, that there is an injustice that's inherent in social justice work, I struggle with that claim. Um, you know, the let's use the example of the uh, the use the example of the scales, kind of the out of balance scales. Say mm -hmm. one scale is higher than the other; it's mm -hmm. been weighted. To fix it, you have to move things. And in the movement, it can feel like you're favoring one over the other, but you're actually just bringing them back to equality. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think we want to be careful that we don't fall into another trap, which is to say all pursuit of justice is going to inherently create injustice. I think there's a way to do this. Yeah. I, you know what? I think you're right. And in terms of the just it, for the terms, I absolutely and what I see happening is a lot of, you know, when folks, especially for those who oppose social justice, you know, you have to ask the question, so are you opposing the social, the social implications of the kind of justice that we are to do by biblical standards, or are you opposing what secular society is saying in what, you know, of what justice is, which may not necessarily be the same thing, um, you know, because you can, I hate to say it, but you can have both, you know, you can have those who really are, you know, not in favor of, you know, the church, you know, that the, there's that question, how much does the church get involved in social issues, you know, and, and, you know, especially in issues of justice. Um, but listen, and, you know, and here's the example I like to use. So if you have a crack house down the street from your church. And you know the drug, you know, you know the, the impact that drugs have not just on just on people, but on the neighborhood. You mean to tell me that the church is not supposed to get involved some kind of way to, you know, to to, you know, to make sure that that, um, you know, that that situation is brought to justice? I don't think so. You know, same goes you, you learn of a, a sex trafficking ring. And we're, you know, and you're supposed to sit back. Well, hello, that's social justice. Yeah. So that's why we need to, you know, we really need to be careful when we say, um, especially if you're writing a blog or in <laughs> such, you know, a, a Twitter thread, define it. Like, what do you mean? If, yeah. if you're going to post something, what exactly are you opposing because it gets confusing and, and you're right once you know without that definition 
it just ends up in this brawl, you know, in this sideshow brawl that detracts from really the, you know, the work that we're supposed to be doing. Well, and I think it reminds me of um, what we find in James when it's the, the faith and works debate that he's mm-hmm. getting into, right? And and you can almost hear the two parties. We believe in works. We believe in faith. And, and James is trying to help people wrestle through this. Someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Show me. You're anti-social justice? Okay. Show me that you show me what you mean by biblical justice. Do you mean uh, I just don't like the phrase because it's freighted with all this other kind of secular type things? Well, then outdo me in your justice work. You believe in social justice? You want to you want to champion social justice? How about you do something and not just blog about social justice and and tell people how great you are at social justice? There is a fair critique of the social justice movement that can be nothing but virtue signaling. Don't just virtue signal do the work. And if we are sifting through the terms so much that we neglect the actual work that the terms are supposed to signify, then we're actually not doing anything that God would call us to do as his people. It's about the work itself. It doesn't, when Isaiah 1 gets into this, you know, and he's and, and Isaiah is is coming at folks for all of their sin, and literally says there's blood all over your hands. Here's what he doesn't say: he doesn't say learn to do right, define justice. It's not. He said seek justice, do the justice. Don't don't just define it to death. And uh, I, I think that can be a tendency, maybe even specifically in the reformed world, because definitions so matter to us. Um, the work itself should help with the definition. We want to define our terms, but if that's where we get locked in, well, then that's just, it is just a quarrel about words at that point. Right, exactly. So when we think through these issues, Lisa, what is the, I guess, what's the ceiling? Because a lot of the debate around justice can be how far is is possible for Christians in a sinful world? Mm-hmm. Are we supposed to be? Are we pursuing a utopia of some kind? Uh, is there an appropriate time where it's an appropriate place where you say, you know what, that's just the injustice of living in a fallen world, and we can't keep fighting against it because it's fruitless. Like, is there a ceiling, or do we just keep fighting against this thing until mm-hmm. Christ comes back? Well, it's you know what is in your. What is in your sphere of influence, your sphere, your sphere of the ability to do justice? And see, and, and again, you point out, I think, you know, a, a huge problem that we have with this is that we're spending a lot of time, you know, arguing about it online. But what's right there in front of your face? Um, what could you do, um, you know, to bring that, you know, that, that, you know, to model that, that redemption? that we've received. But of course, you know, when I say that, I don't want to get, I don't want people getting hung up. Like, well, only Christ, yeah, we know that only Christ redeems, right? We are reconciled to the Father through the work of the Son. But because we have now, as regenerated people, who now should be able to see better where where the fall has impacted God's world, well, then now, what is, what, what goodness can we bring to it? And to me, when we talk about justice, according to a biblical standard, 
That's it. It's where can I bring goodness to God's creation? Um, and so when you see something, um, you know, in front of you, I remember when I was in, uh, I went to Catholic school uh, for elementary school and I was in the sixth grade. I had, um, and you know, of course, most of the teachers were nuns in this particular grade, the teacher was a nun and she was so biased. She had, she had her favorites and she had those that she didn't like so much. And it was very obvious. Mm. And I had the tendency to stick up for the ones that I thought were not being treated fairly. Um, yeah, I, I was sent to the principal's office a few times <laughs> for that. But, you know, because I felt it was wrong. Like, why yeah. Why are you, why, why is there two different standards here? And to me, when I think about justice, it's like, it, it's it's judging according to the same standard. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's situations like that when you see something wrong. Like, how can I bring, how can I bring goodness? How can I make this right? How can I bring goodness into the situation? And you know what? If we're doing that, I don't know how much time we have to argue on social mm. media about define about terms and what we're for and against. I think that's a good point. You know, I, it does in the end, justice is do good, do good. Uh, this is a part of the Christian call. Do good to what's to the people who are around you. Do good every day. What's the good thing you can do? What's the next good thing? You're always looking for the next good thing to do. And that is going to sometimes mean correcting oppression. It's going to sometimes mean, uh, you know, providing mercy to those who have never received mercy. Mm-hmm. It's going to sometimes look like standing up for people who can't stand up for themselves. Uh, it's, it's goodness in every social and personal sphere that we can think of. It's, it's taking the biblical norms of, of how, the, how life is designed and how it's supposed to be and applying it to everyday life. Um, I, one of the things that I think we have to recapture, and this is kind of a, a, a bit of a word to any of my social justice loving friends who are out there, one of the biggest things that we can do to do good is uh, we can push back on abortion. Like we've talked about these, that's a huge injustice that's happening in the world. This is a social justice issue. Mm-hmm. You know, this is pro-life work is to stand on the side of the oppressed. But again, if you're just talking mm-hmm. instead of donating or instead of showing support by, you know, dropping coffee off at the local crisis pregnancy center and encouraging the workers there, or you know, doing things to actually help the issue, then we're just talking. Do good what's the good that's in front of you that god's given you to do right and this is the you know this is the issue that i have quite frankly with you know especially when you start talking about you know um you know police brutality and injustice like what what's going on in your community you know because this is not as much as we like to believe that it's a you know a systemic issue in terms of it being everywhere and widespread no you know, there are actually more progressive police departments who are taking, who, you know, taking steps to ensure that people are treated fairly. Um, so what what is right under your nose? And I'm, I'm feeling you know, like, like where we are in this social justice conversation is we're wanting to take these big macro issues 
And by dealing with these macro issues that we believe to varying degrees are just so widespread that we have to speak to them. And we're kind of ignoring what might be going on under our nose and what's the issue. Look, all communities are not afflicted by police brutality. They may be afflicted with something else that needs addressing. Because listen, we live in a complex world. And it's not, it, it's just not going to be, it's just not going to be uniform. So how could you, in your sphere, you know, bring some kind of correction? Because it, it, again, it's just not, it's not going to be uniform, you know? And, and that's, again, that's why I think we need to take a step back from, you know, from addressing the, um, you know, or at least think about like how are we addressing these macro issues? Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's good. And you know, that there's that saying, "All politics is local." Well, all justice is local. And uh, you know, if you believe these huge systemic macro issues are there, uh, then how do they manifest in your neighborhood? How are you? You know, you mentioned police brutality. Do you know your police chief? Do you do you know the the police? Are you are you in dialogue with them? What does that look like? Um, it's it is approaching it from a local perspective, and especially in the church, in our local churches, what are the issues our local churches are facing? What are the people in your pews? What kind of injustices might they be butting up against, and how do you help them? I mean, if you if you're living your life doing social media social justice work and you're ignoring the injustice that's happening in your local church or that people in your local church that are facing in this broken world, then you're not really doing anything. So it's it is it's about keeping it local. It's about keeping our eye on here. Here's how God wants things to be. Sin has made it otherwise. How do we push against the effects of sin in our spheres of influence? That's that's a helpful word. Thank you, Lisa. Well, we've been going for a while on this. I think it's time to turn the page. Uh, we'll be back again next week. We'll, we'll probably, was it Doctrine of Scripture next week? Is that where we're headed? Yes. Okay. Doctrine of Scripture. Exciting stuff. And uh, so, yeah, thanks for being with us. We'll see you again next week. Well, thank you again for joining us for this week's family discussion. If you'd like to learn more or catch up on episodes you missed, head on over to our home at reformedmargins.com. There you'll find great content about a whole host of issues that we pray will bless your relationship with Jesus, including articles written by Lisa Spencer and me, Marcos Ortega. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Your hosts are Marcos Ortega and Lisa Spencer. Our producer is Larry Lynn. Family Discussion is hosted by Podbean and recorded with Audacity. If you like what you heard today, it would be a great help to us if you gave a quick review and rating on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite content so that you don't miss our next family discussion.